This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Ian Clary, welcome to Viral Jesus. You have to have a long game. And sometimes we want these little quick little skirmishes to win this little thing. There's a much bigger spiritual issue here. And what I do now could affect that negatively down the line. So how do I actually act rightly now so that down the line, I'll, I'll look back and say, thank God I didn't put my foot in my mouth. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. As a professor of communication and rhetoric at Colorado Christian University, I spend most days talking to my students about the power of your own voice and using your voice to empower, encourage, uplift, and reflect. And at its heart, that's what Viral Jesus is all about. In every episode, we'll talk to Christian practitioners of communication and social media. But since the classroom is my first love, we'll also take a quick minute to dig into some of the fundamental concepts of the field. 23% of students reported that they've said or done something mean or cruel to another person online. 27% reported that they've experienced the same from someone else. Girls are more likely than boys to be both victims and perpetrators of cyberbullying. And 83% of young people believe social media companies should be doing more to tackle cyberbullying on their platforms. Our guest today is someone who knows what it feels like to be targeted and trolled, Ian Clary. Ian Clary is an assistant professor of religion with a PhD in church history. He also has a podcast with the Gospel Coalition Canada called Into Theology. So I thought it would be fun to have a conversation with one of my coworkers from Colorado Christian University. This is Professor Ian Clary, and he has a podcast with the Gospel Coalition Canada um, called Into Theology. Yep. And so him and I were having a conversation at our office one day just about how, because things are so polarized right now, you might say something that's actually very centrist. And you're like, oh, this is totally uncontroversial. This is a normal opinion. And people just come after you and are willing to attack you. I was telling Ian, I had a mug actually that was sent to my office that said, I'm so woke. And it was somebody I'm assuming from Twitter who went from trolling my comment section to actually trolling me in real, like mailing things to my work. And just how crazy this is as we are all fighting one another as Christians. And I think we all, I hope agree that the gospel is such a good message that we're going to have to figure this thing out and start working in unity together. So I've invited Ian on to talk with us about his experience and to learn a little bit more about what's happening internationally with Canada. But first, can you just talk to us about what is the most shocking thing that you've experienced so far with your your podcast, Into Theology? Well, first, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's awesome. And we're more than just colleagues. We actually share a wall. Like That's our true. offices are like, so we're office neighbors. We so are. That's pretty cool. Ian listens to rock music. I try. And I hear it in my office. Oh, no, yeah. And oh, I've actually shoot. done an Instagram about him because did I'm like, you? I did an Instagram where I was like, do you guys hear this? And I was like, that's the theology guy. No, listening to rock I, music right now. But I didn't say his name, so it's fine. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I wish you did. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. You know, I have 
probably a pretty boring podcast on one level. It's it's a friend of mine back in Canada. I'm, I'm a Canadian, and uh, and he is the director of the Gospel Coalition Canada. His name's Wyatt. He, he emailed me last summer and just said, hey, do you want to just like do a podcast where we'll just kind of like be geeks about a theology book and we'll just kind of blog or uh, uh, podcast through it? And I was like, okay, let's do it. And so we're doing John Calvin of all people, which is not all that, you know, crazy out there. Uh, and uh, because of my involvement with the Gospel Coalition Canada and because TGC Canada has wanted to take a kind of moderating line on uh, you know the the issues surrounding you know mask mandates and the lockdown of churches from the Canadian government, we have just taken it really hard on the chin from people who are on the very strong far right within Canadian evangelicalism. So you ask like what's kind of the most shocking thing as a result of that uh, is that uh, a group of pastors who are very kind of vocal about the lockdowns and about you know the call to rebel against them to rebel against the Canadian government. Somebody anonymously set up a fake uh, Twitter account, website, Instagram page, Facebook page called the Gelding Coalition. So if you know what a gelding is, it's a castrated horse. Oh. And so uh, and they made up mock profiles for all of us who are at all engaged with the Gospel Coalition Canada. Wow. Yeah. So and it's 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 strange. It's 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 weird for me. Uh, in this context, because I'm I'm actually being kind of like um, the target of racism in a strange way. Uh, so my my fake profile character is actually a, a black man, mm. and uh, and the only reason I can think of as to why I would have that is another guy. He he's he's gay. So this fake profile about this other person, he's a gay man. And uh, the only way I can think about it is because I on my own social media, I've I've posted quotes or. Uh, articles uh, from from black Christians just sort of voicing wow. their own concerns in terms of culture. And so shocking, maybe not the word for me, very irritating is probably right. and, and not irritating because of the direction it takes at me. I just don't like seeing my friends uh, treated that way. And that's what I find kind of bothersome about it. So and so and this is I like having these conversations and talking about this because if you want to create content, and the idea of Viral Jesus is that we're trying to reach Christians who are interested in creating their own content and being creative and, and using the gifts that God has given them in the 21st century, you spread the gospel in new ways, be ready to be, have people dislike you yeah. and to come after you. And I think it's important to say that, and especially just as we're listening, I'm assuming, Ian, that you guys have zero desire to create conflict. I know that about myself. I, I actually don't like conflict. Yeah. And so it's always weird for me when people see me as controversial because I've actually, Esau McCauley was on um, the podcast and something he said was, I've never been called controversial until I started speaking in white spaces. And so he felt like it was just his presence there that was controversial, not actually the things that he was saying. And yeah. I just wanted to speak into that. Like when you're creating a podcast, did you ever have any inkling that this was going to become the target of some hate speech? No, it's interesting. I, what I appreciate most about Esau McCauley is how wise he is. He's so you know? wise. Uh, and that, and, and his, he's one of those voices that I like to share because there's really nothing you can say critical about him. So that is actually kind of amazing then that he would be the subject of controversy when right. he, he navigates those waters so well. And um, yeah, I did an article for Gospel Coalition Canada last November. And again, like 
I didn't think of it as a, at all in any way kind of a controversial piece uh, where I just kind of collated a number of quotes from. So Gospel Coalition broadly, like on an international level, is kind of identified in the kind of Calvinistic or Reformed world. And that that's my world. So I thought, OK, I'm going to take some quotations from some from Reformation pastors and theologians about why we should obey the government, why the government actually has a very kind of like important role for the life of the church. And uh, and at least give those of us who identify in this tradition pause for thought before we're going to just run headlong against our governments. OK, <laughs> if, if we if we love Calvin for, you know, the so-called five points of Calvinism, shouldn't we at least listen to what he has to say when he says, hey, you need to actually just obey your government, even when you, they're doing things you don't like? Mm. And I posted that in November. And I'll tell you, like, I, got, I actually got a pretty decent mix. I got a lot of people emailing me and saying, hey, really appreciated this. It was very thoughtful. And then, but a lot of people, there was actually a whole uh, private Facebook page that a member had sent me snapshots of, of the treatment I was getting just for basically explaining what our forebears have said. <laughs> you right. know, I wasn't, I wasn't really making anything prescriptive. I didn't say we have to do this or that. And uh, people were just so touchy and so hostile just for something as kind of boring as you know church history could be you and know? you teach church history mm -hmm. yeah, right and so actually teach me where <laughs> is this because you know how we say this is the most prolific time ever yeah. is that true or have we seen all of this before yeah i think in church history we especially evangelicals today we tend to be really kind of like um we have amnesia and we don't really see that actually what we're going through today is really nothing new i think it's pretty in terms of, you know, the church is always wrestling through some sort of major issue, whether it's internal or whether it's something cultural. And it always seems like here's the next big thing that's going to destroy us. And we've all got to kind of like toe the line on certain issues. And it's just always been that way. And so as a historian, I really don't get freaked out about these sorts of mm. things because, you know, the church always weathers these storms and tends to grow through them. And uh, so whether it's you know, the issue of COVID and lockdowns, whether it's, you know, big issues in terms of like critical theory, critical race theory, the things that people really can freak out about. We need to be aware. And if there are issues, we need to address them. But we don't need to like, we don't need to get, you know, overly concerned about things, I think. And what's your thought as a content creator? Because something that I know I'm really perceptive of and aware of, and I think frustrated by is the perception that my non-Christian friends now have, especially recently online of Christians. Like if you go on Twitter, and I love Twitter, but if you go on Twitter, Christians just tearing each other yeah. apart. And other God-fearing, wonderful people, because you vote differently than me, or you see this issue differently than me, now you are like actually the devil. Like you are actually propagating Satan's yeah. agenda. I don't know. What do you feel like about that as a theology professor? What do you see in your classroom with students? Are they bringing these things up to you or? Yeah. I mean, on a broader level, you know, I'm, I'm an ordained pastor uh, back in Canada. And, um, you know, within the life of my church, I always kind of had to be aware that, yeah, I have certain political views. I'll have certain theological views that, uh, you know, in that pastoral context, I have to be very careful about, mm -hmm. right? Because you never really know where one of your parishioners is going to come from on an issue. And so you have to really kind of labor at earning trust as a pastor, 
uh, and and them knowing you in such a way that uh, if they find out, oh, okay, he believes this about predestination or something, right? That they're not going to be horrified at who I am because they already know me. And so I think then moving into the classroom is the same thing. If I can build a really good rapport with my students, um, you can hold to whatever view you want in my class, as long as you're holding to like the basics of Orthodox Christianity. You can hold to whatever view you want. And uh, if you trust me and there's a good environment yeah. going on in our classroom, whatever can be said can be kind of said in a way where everybody understands, hey, I don't have to be forced to go this way. But it's harder when it comes to like kind of just culture, whether it's a platform like Twitter where anybody can see. Right. Um, so you and I might have a back and forth on Twitter. We have that built in sense of trust because right. we're friends, we're colleagues. Uh, we assume that, but not everybody sees it. And so it can be misinterpreted um, or things like, I mean, again, back in Canada, there are a number of pastors who've been imprisoned uh, because they've refused uh, to, to abide by uh, their provincial government's lockdown mandates. Uh, others who are just holding services in spite of them and their neighborhood is like the neighbors are really upset. They're like, why are we having to stay in and you guys are going to church? Right. And so there's this, there's not been, the pastor has to, and the church has to labor really, really hard to build a community trust uh, before they can start sort of really expressing or doing those sorts of things. I don't think they should be holding church services anyway when, when nobody else is allowed to go out. But I think there's just a fundamental lack of wisdom on knowing how to work uh, on a kind of person to person level with any of these issues, whether it's political, cultural, theological, or anything else, you know? And so when you're creating a podcast and you guys are mapping out your episodes, now that you've received some criticism, does that play into how you create your content? Or do you just say, I'm not going to worry about it and I'm going to do what I feel God has called me to do on this episode? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say this. I, I am naturally combative. Um, okay. I like it. What's your Enneagram? Uh, oh, you know what? I had my students do it to me two summers ago and I forget. You're an eight. I'm sure. If you're naturally combative. Okay. Yeah. I'm, but not like in a, I don't want to fight people to make people right. upset. I just like a good debate. Right. And, uh, and, I, and we, and I can get very heated about things. So when, when this fake, uh, you know, social media stuff happened with our website, uh, I, I immediately, I, in my head, I was like, okay, I want to publicly rebuke these people or say something really snarky back. The funny, the, the, the ironic thing is it's supposed to be a satire website. And it's just not actually funny. Like it's just it's just <laughs> right, mean. Right. Like if it was at least funny, I could laugh. I could laugh. Um, then I wanted to set up my own fake one and troll them back, you know. And I was like, no, I can't do it. And I and I actually I'm really thankful for my co-host Wyatt Graham. He's he's very wise and just a godly guy. And he was just like, listen, we just don't we just don't reply. We just leave it. And um, everybody else in my kind of context that I was in contact with back home were all appalled by it. Like all the pastors that I'm friends with are just like, this isn't funny. This is just stupid. And it's making these people look awful. Um, but I, I will admit there's been the odd time on our podcast where he and I will kind of just have like inside jokes about it, okay. you know, and if any of them, which I don't think they listen anyways now, but, uh, if they were, they would, they would pick up on, oh, we're kind of making fun of them in a lighthearted way. Um, but no, we don't really want to kind of change our contact. We don't want to, our content. We don't want to change like who we are, what we set out to do last summer with our, with our podcast or with the website because of these guys. You know, because then it would just let them sort of win and and they'd be smug about it. And right. uh, we just want to keep doing what we're doing. We want to keep encouraging Christians in Canada uh, to do the right thing uh, when it comes to just how do they live as Christians in the Canadian context. 
and uh, and and keep putting out information that's going to inform. That that was why Gospel Coalition Canada was founded a number of years ago. Now was to just you know Canada is a huge swath of land. And pastors can get really like separated from one another. And we wanted to make this as broad as possible so that we could bring people together, share resources and just feel like, okay, some guy out in like the Maritimes in some rural town somewhere doesn't feel alone because he can connect with, you know, somebody who's in Manitoba or something. Mm. Right. And we're hosting conferences and putting out we're, we're going to be putting out uh, booklets and those sorts of things to just like put resources into their hands to just know how to whether it's this issue or any other issue, know how to, to deal well. And just because some some really like loudmouth guys are chirping at us like that's not going to. That's not going to stop us. Or, and we're not going to like draw attention to them. I mean, I realize now I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> we're going to do a whole you. podcast episode about this. <laughs> <amazing>. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what is the Christian way? What do you think? as a pastor, as a theology person, to respond to conflict online? Because I think I've noticed, I just actually recently went through my old tweets and I realized I used to be a lot more combative. I used to be a lot more aggressive where if somebody commented, I was always worried about who was going to see that comment and I had to respond to it and I had to show mm -hmm. them that they were wrong. And now I don't respond to anybody anymore, I think because I'm tired. Yeah. Right. And I just wonder, like, what is the Christian response to people who are actually attacking you or smearing you? What do you think about that? This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19 and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today. Yeah, I think I'd probably think of it in three ways. Like if I get personally attacked, I never care. Like I just don't. Um, somebody can say or do the worst thing possible to me. And if I know that like my own kind of context, my boss here, my dean, uh, my colleagues that I work with, if they if they all know who I am and they're not, they're not going to believe any of that, and I don't feel like I have to do damage control with them, then I really don't care. I just don't like it when people do it to my friends. So like if somebody right. attacks a friend of mine, I get very like upset on their behalf. Um, and so that's where I have to kind of like be, be careful. Um, you know, I like to be like, you know, third man in on a fight is how it's kind of described. You know, I like to jump in on behalf of people and I have to be really careful and let, you know, let them deal with it. Um, but I, I think, have you had Karen swallow prior? Is yes. That, so Karen, she, a number of years ago, really got hammered online. She was talking about that on the oh, podcast. Okay. Yeah, how she felt like it was more her association, mm -hmm. but that she was a sacrificial lamb. She was, and it was, but 
she was brilliant, like in the way that she could deal with it because she very much wanted to. Karen is brilliant. We love awesome. Karen on here. Yeah, yeah, she's so great. And and she's just gone through, I mean, even up until just like recently with like right. Liberty University and everything. But she's always handled herself very well. Like she never gets cowed. Um, and she was always willing to engage people on a kind of like intellectual level and just say, hey, like what what is the issue? This is what I'm doing. This is my motivation for why I'm, you know, associating with this particular group of people that you don't happen to like. And I'm um, just showing the love of Christ, you know, what we're supposed to be doing right, right, as part of the Great right. Commission. And so I just appreciated that she showed a backbone. She was not willing to like back down or be cowed by people. Um, but she was also trying to like help people see why she was doing what she was doing and what were the godly motivations behind it. So it probably didn't change a lot of opinions from those on the other side. But for people like me that were watching it all go down mm -hmm. on Twitter and whatever else, I found it really helpful. It made me it made my respect for her go through the roof. And it also kind of just provided a model for me to be able to how, how do you do the same thing. But then when you think of like a biblical example, like you think of Jesus Christ, it's like, you know, he he stood before pilot and he could have defended himself you know he could have called a legion of angels down on his behalf and he just didn't do it mm -hmm. and um he knew that there was a greater good uh, namely the redemption of the world and if he had called this legion of angels if he had done any of these sorts of things to defend himself that greater good would never have materialized so i think you have to have a bigger picture on things right and you have to have a long game and sometimes we want these little quick little skirmishes to win this little thing when realizing, oh, there's a huger, there's a much bigger spiritual issue here. And what I do now could affect that negatively down the line. So how do I actually act rightly now so that down the line, I'll, I'll look back and say, thank God I didn't put my foot in my mouth. I had Beth Moore come. Um, she taught a class for me in my social media class. Mm -hmm. And I asked her to talk to the students about how to deal with online bullying because yeah. she's somebody who has dealt with it a lot. And something she said that really resonated with me, and I've just tried to repeat it to myself, is she said, I can have thick skin over thick beliefs. Yeah. And she said, so if it's something that I just really know in my bones that God has called me to do, I'm going to have to have thick skin on yeah. that. And I think part of it, too, just for for other people who are finding themselves in the situation, I think if there was no adversity, perhaps God is not in it. If God is in it, the devil is angry yep. and he's going to stir up adversity. And so how do we navigate that without allowing it to crush us, I guess, is part of the task yep. to keep moving forward and to know, okay, this doesn't, adversity does not mean that God hasn't called you. I, I ran track in college. I had a college scholarship for track, but I ran all throughout high school. And we used to run in practice with this little parachute that you would attach to your back. Sure. It was a backpack and you would run. And the whole idea was resistance training. Mm -hmm. You will run harder and faster with resistance yeah. when we take it off. And so is it possible that all of us are going to go through in life resistance training to, to be able to handle it when maybe more people are watching, yeah. right? What we do... What we do when people aren't watching, I think, is actually more important than what we do when they are. Because it's integrity and it's character. And so how do we build that having thick skin over thick beliefs? Well, it's interesting like to kind of combine both that metaphor of, of running or sports and then with what uh, Beth Moore is saying about kind of having the thick skin and thick beliefs. It's interesting. So my son, who's 11, he goes to um, Easton Academy here in, down in Littleton. It's a jiu-jitsu, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu okay. academy. And he's been doing it for about six months. And they do a lot of kind of like anti-bully training. And one of the things that they teach is that um, we want you to learn jujitsu so you never have to use it. And um, 
you know, it's known as the gentle art. And the idea mm. is that if some kid is like attacking you on the playground, that you should be able to hold him down so you could get up and run. Not so that you could beat him up or something mm. like that. But what what's happened with these kids and my son especially is that it's built in this confidence so that he knows that if he gets into some sort of altercation, he knows he could actually take this kid. And the greatest expression of his own self-confidence is to look at that kid and walk away, mm. knowing that I could, I could tear you limb from limb right now and I'm not going to. And that can only come from a real position of strength or having that kind of like thick belief, right? If he has this thick belief in his own jujitsu skill, he doesn't care if he shows it or not. He could just right. walk away and that's the better thing to do. So if you have like a really deep grounded belief in your own positions, your convictions, your faith, uh, and somebody's coming up and attacking you unreasonably, you don't feel like you have to like own that guy online. Right. You can just walk, you know? And so that's I, part I, of the long game. Yeah. It that is. The you're long talking game. about. Yep. I, I ask myself that a lot. Like, is this conflict going to matter to me five years from mm -hmm. now? And if it's not, let that inform the way I deal with it right now. And sometimes I just, I do let it just yep. totally walk away. Something I like to ask people when they come on the show is looking back at your life. Ugh. Did you know, I'm sure like your students look at you and they see you to be, I'm sure there's lots of students on campus that look at you and say like, that's what I, I hope to be. Right. And so like looking back at your life, did you know that God was going to open these doors for you to be a theology professor, you know, having a podcast with Gospel Coalition? Was that something that you foresaw no. or has it all shocked you along the way? Tell me about actually like 15 year old Ian. I, I don't know if you ever do this. Like sometimes I'll kind of just, I'll be in my kitchen by myself or somewhere and I'll just say out loud, I'm 42. I have a PhD. I live in Denver. I teach in a university. I'm married and I have four kids. Yeah. I'm like, what? I feel like I just graduated from high school. Right. How is this possible? Um, so I have, you know, like the, the thought that I'm doing what I'm doing is just shocking. And uh, yeah, 15 year old me, I was not a believer. Oh, I tell was, me about that, actually. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Let's back up. I want to hear your conversion story. Yeah, it's crazy. I grew up in a just a kind of typical Canadian family. Uh, my dad's a lapsed Catholic. At the time, my mom was a nominal Anglican. Uh, my mom's a believer now. She got saved after I did, which was great. And uh, I just, I barely got by in high school. You know, like if you looked at like my history grades, it'd be like in the 50s, wow. you know, like English, any of that kind of stuff that I love to do now. I just didn't care. And um, I got saved actually um, through the, just the witness of, of a friend. I, so uh, he and I were in a, in a punk band together, mm. which I hesitate to <laughs> advertise too much, but. Um, <laughs> hence the rock music. Hence the, yes. In your office. Right, okay, yeah. old habits die hard. Yeah, very hard, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, it's awful when students find us on YouTube or something. Are you on YouTube? I have, the, my buddy has put up old, like old footage I of us. I am totally YouTubing this later. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he was a, a Christian kid. He's actually no longer walking with the Lord. Um, but yeah, he shared the gospel with me up in Northern Ontario at a, at a cottage that we were at together. And uh, just through some very kind of like dark news that we had heard about another friend of ours that really sort of like, it was the first time I'd ever really felt like evil kind of like coming into the sphere of my life, right. you know? And I really didn't know what to do with it. And uh, and so I, it was like the first time I like really actually prayed. And uh, that was when I was 18. So in my home province of Ontario at the time, that was 
um, you had you could optionally take a 13th grade, grade 13, as a kind of prep for university. And so that was just me going into grade 13 um, while I got saved that that August. And so, yeah, it was it was a it was a sort of that was a shocking thing for me. I had no mm. no idea that you know I was going to suddenly become a religious person. I used to be really into native Native American culture. Mm. A lot of my friends were were uh, Ojibwe natives, and so I used to hang out with them and do a lot. And I was kind of always what I kind of took my religion to be was you know, and so when that kind of when Christianity intervened, I was sort of surprised by it. And, um, and then even then, like for the first few years, I had really like no drive, no desire to do anything, you know? Um, and then, uh, this will sound kind of silly, but it was actually when I became a Calvinist <laughs> that, uh, that all of a sudden the Bible just kind of popped at me hmm. and it just gave me this real love for like theology and church history. And it was, it was from there, I, I had a mentor uh, who was you know, still one of my closest friends, Michael Haken, he's a great church historian. And he just kind of mentored me through, you know, to getting a PhD and teaching and, and all the writing, all the books, any of the books that I've done, um, have all been, you know, through his mentorship. And so that's meant a lot to me. And, um, something that I, I, I want to reciprocate for our students here too. Right. You know, so God quite literally changed your life. Yeah. It was, it was, it was not one of those, kind of gradual, oh, you know, I grew up when I, and I, I actually think those are my favorite testimonies are the testimonies of like, oh, I never knew a time when I didn't love Jesus. I got saved when I was three, baptized right. when I was four. People say, oh, that's the most boring testimony. I'm like, no, that's what I want for my kids. I don't mm. want my daughter Molly, you know, when she's 35 to say, well, you know, I woke up with a needle in my arm in a ditch and didn't know how I got there and prayed to Jesus and he saved me. I'm like, no, I don't want her to go right, through that, you right. know? Uh, but mine was a bit more like that. I mean, if, if you knew me in high school, like, you would have been like, who is that dirtbag? <laughs> you know? Shocked. Yeah, it's kind of funny. But I love that because I feel good about my own life in some ways. But um, just that God really does make things new. Yeah. And I love, I actually really enjoy when I talk to people and you're like, you know, their clothes don't even smell like smoke to use the Daniel metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mine would have just smelled like cigarette smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice, Ian, would you give to somebody who wants to start a podcast, doesn't know where to start? So part of how Ian and I started talking about doing this podcast is because he was struggling with his technology yeah. in his office. <laughs> and so I like to talk about that because so many times people have great ideas and they're like, but I'm not a tech person. I don't know how to do this. So what would you say to somebody who has this idea and they don't know how to start? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, I, I this sort of just fell into my lap with my friend Wyatt. He just said, "Hey, do you want to just read through classic books of theology together and talk about it and see if anybody wants to listen?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's fine." It's actually that this podcast has been really kind of like shaping for my faith too. Mm. Um, we we took a break in the middle of the inst of Calvin's Institutes and we did um, two episodes in Ecclesiastes and then four in Job, mm. and those really changed my like outlook on life. Like it was it was really trans transformative for me, and um, and one of the things that we sort of said was we just wanted to be consistent. I would say that's probably one of the biggest things is that. You know, we don't have a huge, I think our Facebook page uh, for the Into Theology podcast has like about 600 subscribers to it. So it's not like huge, mm -hmm. um, but um, we just thought the way to maintain and kind of slowly grow, we sort of see ourselves still in the startup phase. We've only done about 30 episodes is just be consistent. Right. You know, just keep doing it every week. They can expect this day podcast is going to show up. It was hard, like, as, as you can imagine, you know, when we're in exams here at CCU and end of the semester, and I'm just like 
overwhelmed with grading. I just haven't been able to, to do it in those bits. Um, but I think consistency is the biggest. Technology, as you as you right. rightly noted, is, is a big one. Um, so I, I have a friend who's a podcaster in Ireland. I teach in Ireland. And um, he's an American guy. He's with the Calvary Chapel. Uh, he's at Calvary Cork. His name's Mike Negley. And he has a really great preaching podcast called The Expositors Collective. And, oh, I've heard uh, of that. It's awesome. You might have seen me. I probably put is it that up what it because is? he's interviewed me twice and okay. I put it up on my social media. And Mike actually emailed me after a pretty bad recording a couple of weeks ago. He's like, Ian, you got to get new technology. And that was kind of what prompted me to ask you. Yeah. And then you very kindly lent me, you know, this uh, this stuff until I can, can get some stuff. But I think having good technology is very important because Wyatt always says you sound like you got a bunch of socks crammed in your face when you're talking right so when we did the last one the, the 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 recording was way better so i would say consistency i think having a niche probably is really important too so like we know that we're not going to like impact you know thousands and thousands of people it's, it's people that are interested in what we're interested in and they're the ones who are really going to want to listen the comments the feedback we get are from those sorts of people that just want to kind of go through that book they feel like we kind of help keep them accountable, you know, okay, next week we're going to be talking about the resurrection in Calvin's institutes. And so then the person will read that chapter and be ready for it and answering their questions online and things like that. And I think, I think, I think it's like with anything with Christian, especially the Christian faith, if it comes across as authentic, I think people buy in, mm. you know, I don't think it has to be overly flashy. People are just sort of doing something that you enjoy and that comes across through the screen or through your earbuds I think people just like it, you know, that, that's sort of how I see it. Well, I want to encourage everybody to go listen to Into Theology. Where can they find it? Um, so we're on all the platforms. So YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, I think those are the main ones that we would be on. Thanks, Ian, for joining us for this episode. We like to end every episode with a little segment I call Growing Viral. And this is where I scour the Viral Jesus hashtags on all of our social channels and look for a message from someone who maybe you haven't heard of yet, but you should certainly be following as they grow viral. Today, we talk to Jessica Kasunsu. Jessica Kasunsu is a chemistry professor at Colorado College. Well, Jessica, I am so excited to have you on Growing Viral, our little segment here. But I want to ask you, you are a chemist, and something you mentioned was that you enjoy connecting with other Black chemists on Twitter. Can you talk to me about that? Absolutely. Um, I love chemistry. I'm an organic chemist, and I've been doing it for a little while, but I hadn't really met many um, Black chemists. Uh, my, my grad school advisor was one, but I hadn't met too many um until recently, honestly. And so I went to a conference, a Nobuche conference, which is an organization for Black chemists two years ago. But last year, um, really stepping into Twitter and the amazing communities that have been growing with um, both lists there and, and kind of looking for other chemists in different areas, um, kind of expanding into Zoom hangouts and things like this, where we can encourage each other and kind of share experiences has been really amazing. And I've met more, I mean, virtually met more black chemists in the last, you know, 12 months than I have in my whole life. And you're really passionate about mentorship with students too. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. One of the things, um, 
so chemistry has this organic chemistry especially has a, a bad reputation for just being hard and kind of a weed out course. Um, <laughs> yes, people I understand. stereotypically don't love it. But um, I love seeing students grow into their own, find their excitement about this topic and then really begin to um, experience and ask questions and learn and grow and present and do research. And so one of my main um, loves and things I'm most interested about as I'm a faculty member is mentoring students, seeing them ask their questions, giving them the space to um, do the work that they're interested in. And you're also a musician. Tell us about that. <laughs> I love music. Music is um, part of my soul. I play guitar and piano um, and I sing. And I've been writing music kind of for a long time. My music is, it's, um, it can be prayers, it can be um, thoughts, it can be struggles, it can be joy. And I'm excited to grow into a space now where I can share that music with other people and kind of um, have folks connect with those um, emotions and experiences as well. But um, it's also just something that gives me, it's a, it's a wonderful outlet for me and ministry as well. So if you guys want to follow Jessica on Instagram, you can do that at jkasunzu or on Twitter. Actually, your Instagram is jkasunzu music. Yep. Yeah, jkasunzu music and on YouTube mm-hmm. as well. There's so a I, link on, tw- on Instagram as well. Yeah, I hope you guys will do that and support her. I have just enjoyed getting to know her and I know you will enjoy her as well. Thank you so much, Jessica. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and rate us on your preferred platform. Join us next week as we sit down with one of my favorite theologians and author of Abuelita Faith, Kat Armas to learn about what women on the margins can teach us about wisdom. See you next week on Viral Jesus. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.